Welcome to the Millennial Reset Podcast, stories of everyday millennials that are redefining success and happiness. Those that have decided to face those subconscious limiting beliefs head on and take the path less traveled to hit reset. Stories that inspire you to take the leap to pursue the passions, dreams, and goals of your inner child and not the expectations of society. If you're new here, welcome. You found your people. I'm your host, Peter Goose, burnt out millennial turned human design and mindset coach. And it's now my mission to create a space to have the conversations out loud around millennial burnout and mindset and inspire and empower my fellow millennial besties to decondition from the programs that keep so many of us stuck and rediscover your most authentic identity. Or in other words, the millennial reset. And I'm so glad you're here. Hey, besties, welcome to another episode of the Millennial Reset. So I think that as millennials, you know, we all have this like secret dream inside of our heads to move to the forest or the beach or live on a farm and live this life of self-sustainability and self-sufficiency. But of course, you know, we get stuck to the status quo, our beliefs and conditioning talk us out of it, and we stay stuck in a lifestyle of stress and burnout. Uh, but my guest today, super excited to have her on today, Danny. Uh, she is a former ICU nurse turned hemp farmer and CBD business owner. Danny, welcome to the Millennial Reset. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so excited. <laughs> yes, I am so excited to share your story. So let's just like dive right into things because I can't wait for people to hear what you do. Tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you do now. So currently, um, well, in 2018, me and my husband at the time, fiance, um, started a CBD business once the hemp, the farm bill passed in the U.S., Mm -hmm. And, um, our main inspiration was my sister and brother-in-law inherited and moved to Northern California and they have a walnut orchard. And so we would use their walnut oil as our like base for CBD where a lot of people are using like MCT and stuff like that. Yeah. And so we have organic walnut oil. And so everything's just kind of grown from then and um, yeah, so here we are now where we actually have a 20 acre hemp farm. Um, it's actually, the building itself is 18,000 square feet. Oh, wow. And we're utilizing a certain amount of it right now. So everything we do is indoor, like top of the line hemp flower. And yeah, so definitely a little different pace than me as an ICU nurse and my husband was one of the top insurance agents in Austin, Texas. So we have a very different lifestyle and we're loving every minute of it. (laughs) Yeah. Just a little bit of a change. No big deal. Um, (laughs) So let's actually talk about that then. Let's go back a couple of years ago to the days when you were an ICU nurse and talk a little bit about like, what was the daily pattern what was the daily life for you like then um well I was I was either a surgical or trauma ICU nurse for almost a decade and Uh seven and a half almost seven and a half of those years I worked night shift so my life was my job 100 percent 
And um, I worked either, you know, anywhere from three to five nights a week was pretty regular for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would sleep four to five hours during the day in between shifts. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I survived, honestly, but I did. And it just kind of becomes your norm. You get so, um, like, my mom always compares it to the military. She's like, you just, you get so sucked into it. You think that, like, you know, this is the norm. And then you get out of it and you get back in the real world. And you're like, wait a minute, what's normal again, you know? Right? Yeah. And how did I live like that for so long? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And probably the biggest thing that messed with my mind the most was, and I'm pretty sure like you've talked about this quite a bit is just the chemicals in your brain that are released in high stress situations. Well, being a trauma ICU nurse, you know, I get everything from the, you know, grandma that fell, you know, and maybe broke her hip to gunshot victims, you know, that whole And so it was a constant um, adrenaline and cortisol release constantly for almost 10 Mm -hmm. years, you know, and not realizing what that was like doing to me. But yeah. Yeah. So my days were basically sleep, eat, you know, shower, go to work, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Yeah. The grind. And yeah. my social life was my coworkers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. on our days off, that's who we hung out with was each other. You know, we became like family. But yeah. it definitely there was no really world outside of that for a really long time. You know, yeah, and I was exactly. like so weird, you know, like so weird. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about this before too, but it's like the distinction of, yes, there's a lot of us that are burnt the fuck out, especially millennials, but burnout for nurses is a whole other thing. You know, I used to be a teacher and I know like teachers are another big population where it's like, that's kind of a whole other different level of burnout, but nurses and specifically nurses during COVID and the pandemic. So Let's talk a little bit about that because I don't think this is a conversation that happens nearly as much as it probably should so that we can begin to do some of that healing of like, just just talk us through, I guess, for those of us that maybe didn't have friends during COVID that were nurses and didn't hear it for themselves of like, during the pandemic, during those early days of COVID, what was it like? (laughs) Well, I'll give you like my first experience with it, if that is okay, you know? Um, so I worked during, when COVID happened, I worked at a level one trauma center, um, here in Texas. And I also was the rapid response nurse. So that means like some shifts I would work, um, I'd have like an office with like a legit old school pager and nurses could page me if they felt like something was wrong with their patient, but they didn't necessarily want to call the doctor yet. So they could call me, I could come down, assess the patient just with my ICU experience. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, if we needed to call the doctor, maybe it was something that we could figure out together, just, you know. So um, I was working one of my rapid response shifts and I got a call and got down to the patient and COVID was just like a 
discussion. You know what I mean? But there yeah. is definitely a level of fear and a level of uncomfortableness in the hospital that I've never felt before. Yeah. And I'm talking about I have the things that I have seen or worked with or I mean, I've held parts in my hands pumping them, you know, like I've had, it's just, it's insane the things that my brain has seen, but I've never felt fear or anxiety or that much confusion in the air, Mm. you know, like it's always controlled chaos, but this was just the unknown, I guess. Yeah. So... Basically, I get a call. I go down to this patient. Their oxygen's pretty low, but not too low. And I'm like, well, let's just, you know, we'll call the doctor. You know, I don't like to mess around with low oxygen. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's call the doctor. We call the doctor. And the doctor's very dramatic and is like, let's get the patient to the ICU. We're testing them for COVID. You know, really just like in the, you know, just very dramatic. Right. And the fear, it really had to have been the fear. And so I helped transport this patient and people wouldn't touch the patient. People were, I'm going to put the patient in the room and they freaked out and were like, no, now both beds are in the room. You know, what about transmission? And I'm like, what are y'all t-? like? It was literally I had to, it went on the whole time. It ended up being just me transferring the patient from one bed to the next. Yeah. Um, it was just me standing there with the patient telling her it's going to be okay, touching her. You know, I walked out of that room, took off my isolation stuff, washed my hands, pulled those nurses together and said, get yourself together. This woman already has a cancer diagnosis. She already thinks she's been told the worst thing. And now you might as well just told her, like, you have Ebola or something. Like, she, the fear in this woman's eyes, because of the fear that everyone already had, was... Yeah. It was heartbreaking, you know? And I could just... I already worked in an environment that I felt like, you know, and I just mean the medical industry altogether that is full of people that try their best, but it's so broken. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see it. I, you could just feel it unfolding at a level that the whole nation was going to see for the first time, really what we do and what we go through. Yeah. And what happens when we don't know what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the curtain was lifted and it's like the medical industry in itself was, that's when I think it turned from like hero to like villain. Cause everyone's yeah. like looking to answers and we didn't have any answers, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's such a huge part of like the, you know, just like you mentioned too, I'm, especially in the hospital with nurses, but it's like, you can feel the level of anxiety and fear. It's like that energy that just surrounds you and just gets amplified by the fears and anxieties of everybody else. But right. Like that's, that's the thing during the pandemic. And I think it got really political there too, obviously, where it was like, everybody was looking for a source of truth. 
and the real meaning of things. But it's like people, nobody know the source. Nobody knew the source of truth. Like nobody knew the facts back then. We were doing the best we could with the resources that we have. Like, can we just be okay with that? But like, that wasn't enough for people, right? And so then that got people down the rabbit hole of like, well, if if this source of truth ends up not being true, then in five days from now, if they find out something new that then shifts our beliefs and the science behind it, well, then that must mean that person lied to me. That must mean that that person's a bad guy. And then, yeah, that's what gets us into what I think is so fascinating that you talked about. And let's go ahead and dive into that more as well of like, burnout for nurses, not just because of the environment that you're in, not just because of the level of fear and anxiety and high emotional reactionary states that are going on in your work environment every single hour that you're working. But on top of that, you have now gone from heroes to villains for some of these people that no longer see you as somebody that can actually help them. And oh my God, like how damaging must that be to the reason why you got into nursing in the first place? So yeah, talk to us a little bit about that, the hero to villain. It just, I mean, it was really, I don't know, it was weird. It made me feel for the first time on like a more intimate level for like police officers and other people that had been like, villainized as a whole like we are literally doing the best we can and like as often as everyone else was getting information was as frequent as we were getting information Mm -hmm. you know and in my opinion you didn't know what was true or what wasn't you know and there's we base so much everything off of scientific evidence so when things are just you know, being thrown at you and there's no time to gather the evidence, it's really hard to get behind it. And that's just the way we're trained as medical professionals. Yeah. And then you have all these medical professionals that are getting behind, you know, data and all of that, that they're like just now collecting and you're like, but wait, what's the, you know, it's just, it was such a scary time for so many people. And yeah. It's just not, you're there to serve. You're there to love people and help people in their literal worst time of their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's hard when you feel like you can't do that because you're dealing with even more of the dynamics of, Oh my God. It's so true. And I'll speak from my experience too, as a teacher, I wasn't a teacher during COVID, but I have so much empathy as a former teacher. Generally teachers and nurses, I think are kind of the same way as like, we go into the profession because we have a passion, a true innate passion to like, want to make a true difference in this world. And then when your job changes to no control that you have yourself, to then do things that are no longer in alignment with why you got into the profession in the first place. Or when people are telling you that you're not making a difference for me, you're harming me. Like you're hurting me. And like, wow, that like shatters everything that you thought of when you first decided to kind of go into that field in the first place. Right. So let's fast forward in a little bit more and let's talk about kind of the, the reset moment, I guess you could call it is summer of 2020. And Yeah, just just tell the guests a little bit about what happened and, you know, that kind of final straw moment for you. Yeah. 
So uh, I think one of like looking back, one of my like trigger moments, I realized it really messed with my head was um, seeing downtown Austin like like zombie land the mm. first day that the lockdowns happened. It did something in my brain. It made me feel, I don't know, controlled and scared like the end of the world was happening, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was nothing I could do. Like, it just felt, you know, so out of control and bizarre. And then just dealing with our own trauma patients, but also getting the overflow of COVID and then the rapid response nurse and... I was, I like to make it very clear. I was burnt out before COVID and COVID happened. And there was a certain level of responsibility where you felt I have to stay. And, you know, you don't just bow out when things get hard. That's not how nursing is. And so, um, yeah, I was, my breaking point was I was on a flight with my husband and our two kids to see my sister and I had a full-blown panic attack on this flight and I thought I was having a stroke or a heart attack there was Mm. no way to me that this was just anxiety or like a mental breakdown or whatever it was Thank God it was a time on flights where like the middle seats were empty. So it was just me and my husband. So I didn't have another person there to be like, oh, is this girl okay? Um, But I just, it was something about, I think all the masks on the plane. Um, Mm. As a female, there's something weird about people wearing hoodies with masks and we're just taught that that's like danger. And so that with all of the trauma I endured from being a trauma nurse for like too long and then COVID and all the backlash and trying to understand all of that and I just my mind broke like it yeah. literally I couldn't work anymore I needed rest I was way past like my body physically I had Hajimoto's, which is like a thyroid disorder. Mm-hmm. I'd have my gallbladder out. I'd have my appendix out. Oh my All like cortisol stress induced, like, you know, just these things that just now are all bet. Well, obviously I don't have those problems anymore, but Hajimoto's is my thyroid is pretty much healed, you yeah. know? So all these physical aspects, but never did I think in a million years I would have anything happened to me mentally. I always consider myself a very like strong mental person. Yeah. <laughs> I have physical things that happen, but like, you know, I, the joke in the family was always that I had too much serotonin, like uh-huh. how there's no way. And my husband, bless his heart, he was amazing. He knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. He was like, you're having a panic attack. Like, there's no way this is a panic attack. I was, like, literally losing my mind. Well, fast forward just, like, a little bit later, I'm talking to my mom. She was, like, every – she was, like, babe, every time you went into a shift, like, before I flew out, you know, that time she said, I would call her crying. 
being like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I tell you not. Talk about weird coping mechanisms. Uh. I don't remember like any of those conversations, you know? Like I became so good at just, just, and going to work that I'm like, wait a minute. I, you know, and now that I'm like, have had a lot of healing, I'm like, I do remember that, you know, like she saw me going to my breaking point for sure and was worried, but like, there's no telling us and our generation to stop because I don't think we were taught that. We were just taught you go, 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 and you will be rewarded, you know? Exactly. Go, 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 and your life will come to like a screeching halt, you know? Exactly. I think, I think you said it perfectly too, um, before we jumped on here is like this whole idea of trusting the machine, right? And we, we get so caught up in, okay, well, this is what I was taught. Like, again, kind of going back to even the villain and the hero of nursing, it's like, we all have our own source of truth of what we deem to be true about ourselves and our reality in the world around us that we hold on to so tightly because, well, it's all we really have until something happens. And, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes the something that happens is, you know, the body finally catches up and says, no more, like I'm done checking out. And you don't really have any other choice at that point in time to say, well, I literally cannot keep doing things the way that I've been doing them for the next 30 years or for the last 30 years of my life. Right. Here's the scary part though. And I'm sure you can speak to this too, is like when you give that part up and you say, okay, I know I can no longer do life that way. Well, then you have to then make up a different way yourself because there's really no other option, right? The other option is the option that you create for yourself. And so I think for so many of us, that's where we kind of get stuck is we get stuck between the two different identities. The one that we say, okay, I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be able to step away from that, but it's been all that I've known. Here's kind of my goal in this general direction that I want to go in. But when you're making that move from the the known to the unknown, that's scary shit, right? Oh, yes. And that... I'm once again, was blessed that my husband was so supportive. I literally, um, this used to be like a major point of shame for me, but it's healing to like talk about now because there's no shame in it whatsoever. Yeah. But I never, I was at that point in my job, I was already PRN, which is like as needed. So I basically mm-hmm. would pick shifts up that other people didn't want to work and just help out the unit so I was already mentally stepping away and physically starting to step away as well yeah um but of course no one wanted to work during COVID so I was still working at time mm-hmm. and I never um went back after that panic attack on the airplane I didn't have anything scheduled for two weeks because we were going on vacation to see our family. Mm -hmm. And I just put in my two weeks because my husband was like, this isn't worth it. You know, like, what are you doing this for? And I've never had someone to really put up that mirror in front of me and be like, like four days or like four shifts before this happened to you. I got punched in the face by a oh six foot three man, knocked to the ground, 
was mm. just totally shook from it and like he hit my jaw but it was just like my husband just was like this isn't normal yeah like what you're doing is not normal like why are they giving you the giant aggressive patient like you're five two you're like this little person you're not you can't like it doesn't make sense you know yeah and it's just stuff like that that you just start to think I joke around and say I feel like I was in a in a, in a abusive relationship but didn't really know it you know yeah. now that I'm out of it I'm like oh my gosh how many times was I hit you know yes like, oh my god it's, it's so true and like oh my gosh I hope this isn't like triggering to people that are listening but like I'll speak from my own experience again as a teacher too it's like it's almost like we become codependent on the thing, the job. It's, mm-hmm. you know, just like an abusive relationship. Sometimes we become codependent on the narcissist or the alcoholic or whatever it may be. But I think it's almost kind of the same thing with burnout. It's like we become codependent to the job because of, again, this like belief system that we have that our level of success, our level of happiness is based on our level of productivity at work. And, you know, how many achievements we have, how much we can get done. And then, yeah, something like that happens where somebody else tells you, oh, by the way, that's not actually normal. You should probably step away from that. And then, yeah, yeah, but we stay stuck, right? We say, oh, that's just part of the job. That's just, that's just how it has to be. And we keep ourselves Mm -hmm. stuck in that space. So let's actually go there now. So let's talk a little bit about that for you and making this shift and breaking through some of the mindset, some of the belief systems that were kind of holding you back and keeping you stuck in that same career, even though maybe deep down, you know, it was kind of time for that change. But those beliefs about success, happiness, productivity, our level of worth, what were some of those narratives and beliefs that kept you stuck? And I think more importantly, what was it that you had to do to be able to kind of break down some of those barriers and beliefs? Yeah, I think that, um, especially as a nurse in like the career field that I was in, the biggest thing that I was stuck in, which I don't know how this will sound, but you think no one can do what I do. Mm. You know what I mean? No one can handle mentally or educational wise, or, you know, like you think you have like, you know, you've, and part of that's true. The more, the longer you do anything in a career field, the better you're going to get, the more experience you're going to have. Yeah. But you think like, you know, if I don't do it, who's going to do it, you yeah. know? And that was by far the heaviest during COVID because no one wanted to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, I'm not giving up, you know? And then your brain's like, no, you are. Like, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, I think that probably is, um, so I guess that'd be a pride thing, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm a prideful person, but I mean, in that kind of circumstance and having a successful career, you know, like mm-hmm. I went into the ICU straight out of nursing school because in my mind, it was the best. It was yeah you did the most, you learned the most, you knew the most, you know, all of these like things that I wanted to achieve. And I was so proud to get that right off the bat, you yeah. know, not realizing like what I was fully getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then switching over was, a, for me, was just about 
really going to my roots and who I am as a person. And I believe in medicine. You know, I don't, I'm grateful for medicine. I will never be a person that is a hundred percent holistic. I think life is about balance, you yeah. know, and if you have high blood pressure, blood pressure genetically, you know, thank goodness there's a medicine for that, you know, diabetes, right. thank God you have insulin, you know, um, but I do think that there is alternatives to medicine that we haven't looked at. Yeah. And so while I was still working as a nurse from 2018 to 2020, me and my husband did farmer's markets. We sold um, or still do sell in like 15 different retail locations. Um, we, you know, there was, we did as much as we could. And then 2020 hit and it was like there was no, you know, in-person farmer's markets anymore. There was nothing really like happening. And I was still, you know, working as a nurse, slowly like destroying myself. And my husband is like not a desk office person at all. Um, And like ADHD out the wazoo. Mm -hmm. And so he's just chomping at the bits. And we basically just were like, what are we doing? This is not, those are things we needed to do, but we definitely like outdid those chapters in our lives. Like they should have been closed a while ago. And um, so, yeah, so we basically just went all in. Yeah. It will be a year in September that um, neither one of us are doing anything with our nursing careers or his insurance stuff. Well, We're just slowly growing him, um, working on all of our products and yeah, just um, we've started to like grow our own vegetables. <laughs> like, you know, we're getting to the point where we're able yeah. to like really start incorporating the things that like we also want, you know, like we have a gentleman coming out to do like to give us, more information on solar because it's a lot of electricity and we would love to be on solar out here. We have got plenty of sunshine. So it's like Mm -hmm. the transition has been crazy and full of like fear, but also um, we didn't want our kids to grow up the way we grew up. You know, like we we were both so blessed. We both have amazing parents. We really do. Um, they did what they were taught and I think they did better than what they were taught, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we have to do better and, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want my kids to grow up with like the pressure and the shame of trying to keep up oh, amen. with whatever it is we're trying to keep up with because yeah. it's not even about the money. Like, right. that's the funny thing. People always, oh, nursing, you're always set. I'm like, y'all, when I started out as a nurse in the ICU, a new grad, $20 an hour. Okay, oh my people. Gosh. Yeah. That was just like nine years ago, 10 years right? ago. That was a lot long ago, you know? Yeah. So it's like, just, it's not about the money. Yes, you mm-hmm. can make a lot of money as a nurse, but most nurses, it really is about wanting to serve people and love people and help them you know exactly and so yeah so we're just I get to 
serve people and love people in a different way. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but being able to help people that have seizures, you know, feels amazing. Like, oh, just so grateful. Yeah. Um, A lot of other stuff too that it's hard because you can't say like, oh, this helps with that for sure because we don't have the research behind it. So going Mm -hmm. back to what I was saying before, that's one of my like, long-term goals is just to get more research behind him and what it can do for you. Yeah. But yeah, so the transition was definitely scary, but having two little ones, we just want to set an example for them. Yeah. And um, we're so much happier. I can't even like, I am a very social outgoing love living in the city, graduated mm-hmm. a year early from high school, lived on the East Coast, Europe. I traveled. I had a blast. Yeah. I love being out in the country, just doing our thing every day. It's yeah. like the peace that you didn't even know you needed, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm coming to visit. You can put me to work. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to work out in the no, fields. Um, so here's what I'm really curious though. And I'm sure maybe others are curious about this as well is like you, you went from kind of ultimate burnout as an ICU nurse, which I can only imagine what that would have felt like. And even kind of after the fact, even when you weren't in the job anymore, still dealing with that and processing all of that. But at the same time, you were able to find somehow that like source of energy, that source of dopamine to get out there in the fields and be like a hemp farmer and do all of the things that are required to be a business owner as an entrepreneur. So talk to the listeners a little bit about like, what's the difference? How is the work that you're doing now? How does it feel different for you? And how are you able to kind of keep up with it as opposed to, you know, the, the level of work that you are putting forth as an ICU nurse, like what's the difference? Cause they both require work. And when we think about like burnout, a lot of us think, well, I just need rest. I need sleep. I need rest and relaxation, but what's the difference now for you that keeps you from not repeating that burnout cycle with what you're doing now? Totally. We, me and my husband talk about this a lot because we don't want, um, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. I think the difference is, is that we are um, more active. We're working with like living plants. Mm. Um, we, we do work a lot, but it's like chunks out of the day. Like our priorities yeah. can be, you know, hey, I've got this podcast today. Um, okay, well, I'll take the baby. We'll go to the post office, drop off, you know, our product sales, you know, like everything is so pretty much, we have days of course that are set, but everything is so flexible that even though we work a lot, it feels like our priority is still our family. And so Mm. we're super fulfilled. I don't think that, I think me and my husband both have a lot of drive. And I think that's where I would like to encourage people that don't let your drive be belittled or pushed down because of your burnout. Mm, you know, what so I mean? good. Yeah. Like just peace. Yeah, just let it go. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, don't let 
shame creep in on those days where you do feel the overlap of like, why am I waking up at four in the morning wide awake when my baby's actually still asleep? Yeah. And it's because I worked night shift for so long, you Mm. know? Yeah. And telling my husband the next day, hey, I had another weird night's sleep and he helped support that, you know? So I think that, um, you know, we have really good family support system. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we've always been a little like black sheepish or out of the box or whatever you want to call it. I hear that. We both never like to be put in a box, right? Who does? But like, we're just, and so I don't think that people in our life were that surprised. I think they were like, oh, here's crazy kids go again. Uh Um, But I just, I think that when it's, doing something you love at your own pace and just being okay with not, you know, having the lifestyle you had before, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, your priorities just kind of change. I don't know. Like we would literally rather be outside in the dirt or like working indoors in our facility or doing all of that than like, you know, going out to a nice restaurant and yeah. you know what I mean? Like having wine, like you still love that everyone uh-huh. of course, but it's not all like weekend go to anymore, you know? Right. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, what your priorities are. Yeah. Exactly. You, I feel like you can be successful in whatever you want to do. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. just we were taught that these are the main things like this is what you should do these are the good jobs these Mm -hmm. are the guaranteed successes in life yeah that we all learned weren't and so it's just a matter of really sitting down and being honest with yourself and where you want to put your energy yeah and it's really hard right to be to to pursue a different option when you're not even aware that it exists um, it takes that kind of self-reflection and that self-introspection and giving yourself that break to even realize that, oh, wait a second, there is another option out there besides what I've stuck to for so long. Um, yeah. So and I don't really, I wish I had like a better way of how to come out of that, you know, yeah. because I, I feel like I'm not a good example because I literally had like a mental breakdown that forced me to stop yeah. you know what I mean and mm-hmm. so I don't I don't want people to ever get there you right. know so yeah. if you can really get to yourself you know somehow <laughs> I don't yeah. know you know but if you can just try to be more self-aware so you don't get to that point you know mm-hmm. exactly but that's the thing though we see it as a failure though right like that's mm-hmm. why we don't stop because yep. you stop and switch something that's not seen as like an appropriate career mm-hmm. then it's like right or you yeah. think it is but you just gotta keep up keep going and yeah prove the people wrong exactly <laughs> there's other ways of doing things exactly oh i just love your story um so Danny, before we wrap up here, let us live vicariously through you for a moment. <laughs> Walk us through like a condensed synopsis of like, what does a typical day look like for you as a, a hemp farmer and CBD oh business gosh. owner? 
Well, that's probably part of the fun is that every day is like so different, you know, depending on what phase of the process we're yeah. in. But um, a typical morning, we actually don't start work until 10. Um, the morning is like family time for us. And so our employees and everyone does, everyone Love loves that. it. Um, because we also don't understand why you have to be at work at eight. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. So we're like 10 o'clock it is. So we have like family time in the morning. Um, 10 o'clock is usually when everyone gets here. Um, we work in our rooms and depending on where we're at, you know, we have harvest, we have days that we transplant our clones. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, whatever's going on that day. Some days we're going out and doing delivering like our products to the stores that are close enough to do that. We just like to maintain those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely taking care of my daughter is a huge part and being pregnant right now is yeah. just exhausting. Um, so a lot of the physical labor stuff at this point that happens, my husband and some of our employees are taking that off of, you know, yeah. my burden. <laughs> yeah. I can't at this point. Um, but yeah, and then we usually wrap things up around like six, depending on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have dinner together as a family. We usually have lunch together as a family as well. Um, I bring my daughter to work a lot. She loves it in here. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes we come in again at night after she's in bed and we'll finish up doing some work stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely... It's never a, like an eight to five. Right. It's always like these chunks throughout the day. Yeah. And it's just so nice because we get to prioritize, you know, what's important to us and what we need to do. And yeah. Yeah. But we're in the dirt a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connecting with nature. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, Danny. And where can people find out more about both the farm and your collection of uh, CBD products? Yeah. So we have an Instagram, we have a TikTok and Facebook. It's all our extracts is the name of our business. Mm-hmm. Our extracts and branch is the name of our hemp branch. And um, our website is weareextracts.com. So yeah, any of those places you'll find us and trying to get better at being more active on TikTok, but this pregnancy has just like, yeah, give give yourself a break, (laughs) little mama, give yourself a break. (laughs) See, it's still there, right? I know, I know. And that's part of the process is just accepting that it's still there, but learning how to manage it. Exactly. and what's like just too much <laughs> exactly just becoming aware of it right that yeah. you can kind of call it out yeah. um all right Danny. well we will definitely be sure to post uh the website uh with the podcast as well um but thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story i think it's just oh, another example of again like what can happen when you just allow yourself to explore the other possibility right and allow yourself to step outside of the box that we've been raised in and has been maybe not comfortable, but is at least safe and known. It's like the things that you can allow yourself to do when you just take that tiny little step and explore the other possibilities. So thank you again, Danny, so much for coming on.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for giving people a platform to just connect and understand each other. You know, you yeah. don't feel so alone when you're like, oh, this is like a generational thing. <laughs> right. <Awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, right? As long as I can just, my, at the very least, let people know that it's not just you. Exactly. Um, That's the goal. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Danny. And thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Millennial Reset. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to share out far and wide so we can get the conversation growing. Um, and be sure to visit the website to www.themillennialreset.com. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast and uh, check out any upcoming events as well. Hope to see you next time on the next episode of the Millennial Reset. Yeah.